This I pray in your son's holy name. Amen. All right, I'll give you my first point, and then we'll read some of the texts. Here's the first point of what we can learn from Daniel's life. Number one, commend God by obeying human authority. So our question is, how do we live as lights? How do we live as a Christian? A worthwhile life rather than a wasted life. And I would say, commend God by obeying... Turning things on helps. Commend God by obeying human authority. I don't know. Do you know what I mean by commend, by the way? Because I'm going to keep using this word, commend God. When I say commend, I mean recommend God, right? You see that commend in there? Recommend God. Point to God. Say, look at God. See how great God is. See how valuable. See what a precious treasure God is. That we saw last week, right, with the commission God, the God's glorious commission. That is our role. Uh, that is our responsibility in this world. That is why God saved us. That is where we will find our deepest satisfaction and joy. And it will bring the most glory to God. And it will bring the most good to others is by pointing to God. And so how do we do that? Number one, commend God by obeying human authority. Again, some people think, well, I'm a part of the kingdom of God, so I'm not going to let these earthly kings tell me what to do. No, that is not how the Bible instructs us. It's certainly not what we will see here in Daniel, and it's certainly not what we see explicitly told to us in Scripture, that we pay no attention to human authority. In fact, what the Bible tells us is that we actually commend God. We, we show the value of God by obeying human authority authority. I hope you've uh, made your way to Daniel 6. If not, you will not win any sword drills, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Daniel 6, verse 1 through 4. It pleased Darius, this is the king, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. These are kind of governors. It pleased the king, Darius, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might not suffer loss. Then this, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error was found in him. No error or fault was found in him. This is incredible. So you basically have the king wants to set up governors over his land, his empire again, you got these 120 satraps. He puts three men over the satraps. Daniel is one of those. But Daniel is so faithful, so obedient, so submissive to authority. And we would also add God's blessing was upon him. I'm not <laughs> discounting that. An excellent spirit was upon him or was in him, it says. But you don't become a leader over the leaders by being rebellious. Uh, by, by saying, ah, I'm not going to follow what you do. You're merely human authority. You don't become one of the main top three people and then distinguish yourself even more to become the leader 
even over that group. And of course, we see there the satraps and the other two leaders did not like that Daniel was gaining such esteem with the king. They did not like that they would have to be under him. And so they said, I know, we'll just find fault with him. At least that doesn't happen in America, right? There's no mudslinging, no digging in the past. Happens all the time, <laughs> and there's always plenty of mud to throw, and there's always plenty of skeletons in the closet. But not with Daniel. He had been careful to obey the human authority put over him. Look at the words it says there, uh, verse 4. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. This is a man who is in a pagan land, loves God, and yet obeys the human authority God has placed him under. He's actually obeying God by obeying human authority. And I would say he is actually commending God, showing the greatness of God by obeying human authority. You know, it's interesting. I didn't have time to connect all the dots. To, uh, <laughs> but in Jeremiah twenty-seven seventeen, when it was talking about the coming Babylonian invasion, of which uh, Daniel ends up being a part of, Jeremiah prophesies for God these words. Serve the king of Babylon and live. So they had a direct order to, to serve, at the very least, the king of Babylon, but any authority, even if they weren't Israelite authority, even if they weren't godly authority, serve the king of Babylon and live. Jeremiah twenty seven seventeen. And Daniel was obeying that. He's obeying God by obeying human authority. And he's showing what, 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 what a, a good man he is. He was a faithful man. No fault was found in him because he's obeying human authority. And by the way, did you know that we have this exact same command, this exact same responsibility? The New Testament is even more explicit. Here's what I almost preached. 1 Peter 2, verses 11 through 17. You've got to listen to the progression of thought here. First Peter 2, 11 through 17, he, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, by the way, he's talking about just Christians, that we are a part of a heavenly kingdom, citizens of a heavenly kingdom, and here we are on this earth as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Okay, so they, you, we want to show our good deeds, show, show that there's, this is a transformed person, so that they may see our good deeds and glorify God. So we're commending God. Here's the very next verse, okay? Flow of thought here, the very next verse. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, 
honor the emperor. There's so much there. But the way, the primary way, what should be our, our normal pattern for, for shining the light. By the way, there are many patterns, but here we're looking at with authority. Our normal pattern should be for the Lord's sake, we obey, we submit to, make every effort to obey human authority. And it says there, because uh, I kind of talked about this, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Oh, I'm a part of the kingdom of God. They can't tell me what to do. No, don't, don't use your, your freedom like that. Live as a servant of God with the freedom Christ has given you, this freedom from sin. And, and yes, ultimately, that person is not your king. They are, they are not your God in the primary sense. But live as a servant of God by being subject to every human institution. And by the way, the, the, this takes it even further, and I think we need to listen here. Not only do we obey human authority, we honor human authority. And it makes no mention of whether or not that human authority is honorable. Honor everyone. This is verse 17. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This was not a uh, Christian emperor. <laughs> this was not a godly emperor. This was not a moral emperor. Honor the emperor. And so let me kind of explain here. That doesn't mean we have to agree with our leaders, whether that be government or uh, organizational, our bosses at work, or the, the principal and teachers at our school, whatever institution. It doesn't mean we have to agree with them. It doesn't mean we have to vote for them. But it does mean we are not to badmouth them, to slander or slight them. It absolutely means that. And I, I know uh, I'm just as guilty, but I, I hear Christians so openly and loudly, boisterously talking trash about the authority that has been put over them. That guy's just an idiot. That is not what we're supposed to do. We are to show honor. That is to be our pattern. Why? Because we are to be lights in this world so they may see your good deeds, and glorify God on the day of visitation. We are commending God. We are commending Christ by our obedience and even honor of human authority. This should be the pattern. It should be surprising how obedient we are to human authority. It really should be something that people take notice of. You might say, well, but what about... The time our human authorities command us to do something that contradicts what God wants us to do. What, what about those times? And so what we often do is say, well, there are these times that, that, that we are told to do things that go against the Bible, so I'm just throw it all away. I'm not going to worry about human authority. No, 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 no. Our general pattern, our, our big effort should be obedience and honor of human authority. Because we're going to see a link here. Okay, here, here's, here's the next point, and then I'll tell you this link. Commend God by obeying God supremely. So we commend God by obeying human authority. Yes, we make every effort to do that, but when it comes down, I don't know. Sorry. Commend God by obeying God supremely. <laughs> oh, man. 
the complexity of these uh, projectors and things. It, it really is complex, by the way. Uh, they're, they're not just doing a bad job. It's, it is complicated. Cool. Thank you guys for getting that up there. So here, here's how I, how, how I want to tie this, okay? There's a link. There's a connection between our, our obedience to human authority and our ultimate obedience to God's authority, the supreme obedience to God. Because here's what happens is people should see our lives and see that we make every effort to be faithful, to, to honor the emperor, to honor our president, to honor our governor, to honor our boss, to obey our boss, to do what they say, that when we don't obey, it should be surprising. When we, when we say, okay, they've told me to do that, but I'm not going to, they should say, whoa, 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 whoa. But he, he normally obeys all the laws. He normally does everything that, that our boss says. He normally shows honor, even though everyone else in the break room is trash-talking the boss. He normally will not take part in any of that, and now he's not going to do what the boss said. Something is going on here. It should be surprising. It should be striking. And while their first reaction may be disgust, I can't believe that you won't uh, make this speech uh, in Pride Month. I can't believe you won't do that. There may be this initial disgust, but behind that there'll be, there will be this idea of, hmm, they're normally so obedient. They're normally so faithful. Something is going on here. And that's what we see with Daniel it is surprising and it is effectual when he does have to obey God rather than man. Daniel chapter 6 verse 5. We're picking up in verse 5. So you remember they, they couldn't find fault in him. Verse 5. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. By the way, just, just think about that. They knew... This guy is so devoted to God, the only way we'll trip him up is if we can find a way to, to put God and government against each other somehow. <laughs> that, that's a reputation that he had because of his great obedience and I'm sure his words uh, and commendation of God. Verse 6, Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever all the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and, per and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. So, give you what's going on here. The king was uh, manipulated by these, these people who are trying to undercut Daniel to say, make everyone pray to you for the next 30 days. And if they pray to anyone other than you, a god or a man, then they will be thrown to the lion's den. Verse 10, I love this. This man who had been so obedient, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. 
supremely obeying God. I'm going to keep going here. 11. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, should be cast into the den of lions? Refresh our memory. Wasn't there some rule you made? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. He doesn't know about the Daniel thing. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Listen to this. This is striking. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. The king says he disobeyed, but it's Daniel. He's such a good man. He he obeys uh, the authority so well. Verse 16, bound by his own law, then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, listen to this, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. This is, this is just an amazing uh, testimony, an amazing commendation of God that a man who was generally so obedient, made every effort to obey human authority, says, nope, I'm not going to pray to any man. I'm going to pray to my God. I'm going to obey God supremely. This was surprising, shocking, frightening to the king. But here we are. He obeys God rather than human authority. By the way, if you wonder, well, is this the only time this happens in the Bible? We can't build a principle off of one time. I'm just going to list for you. I was thinking through all the different ones uh, that I could think of. In the same book of the Bible, if you turn back to chapter 3, don't do it, but book, chapter 3, there is a golden statue that they're commanded to bow down to. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will not bow down to it. They are thrown into the fiery furnace. But they are not burned up. By the way, there's a fourth person there, which is most likely a Christophany or a Theophany, a a pre-incarnate appearance of of Christ. I think of uh, the Hebrew midwives in Exodus 1 that were told to murder the male sons. By the way, this is hugely applicable for us today, especially those in the medical field. The Hebrew midwives were told to murder the male sons of the Israelites while they're in Egyptian captivity. But they did not do it. The Hebrew wives are too vigorous. They have the children before we can get there, they tell the uh, Pharaoh. I think of Moses, again, in Exodus, uh, that then the command was made that everyone must kill their their, uh, children if it is a boy. And Moses uh, is kind of a big deal in the Bible. 
So obviously his parents did not listen. You think about the basket, and they put him in the basket uh, to hide him. I think of Rahab, a woman of Jericho, who hid the Jewish spies and lied to the soldiers. She, by the way, is commended in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 uh, amongst Abraham and uh, King David and all these other uh, greats of faith. You have Rahab the harlot, Rahab the prostitute in there because she defied the law in faith to God. I think of uh, uh, when King Herod told the wise men, come back and tell me where this, uh, this king of the Jews has been born. And yet they go a different way. I think of um, the, in Acts chapter 4 and 5. By the way, you should just read Acts 4 and 5 if you're like interested in this. It is so wonderful. But you have the Israelite religious elite, which by the way had a lot of governmental influence there under Rome, saying, do not share about Jesus. The, you guys say that he was uh, you know, crucified and then rose from the dead and that he was truly the Messiah. Do not share about him. And they say, We're gonna, we, we've got to obey God rather than men. Like, you know, I wish we could obey you, but you, you take it up with God. <laughs> You know, uh, it, it really is wonderful, uh, re- Acts 4 and 5 there. I think about Paul, who wrote at least four of what are now books of the Bible while in prison. I think of John, who received a certain revelation of the end of times while exiled on the island of Patmos. And I even think of a Jesus, who would not say other than that he is God. Even though, again, the religious institution was saying, no, you need to re- recant this. There are many examples. Again, I think about uh, missionaries who are having to say, you know, oh, we're here on business, right? And they have to smuggle in their Bibles because they are trying to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. By the way, let's think about that for a second. A law says you cannot share Christianity. You cannot be a Christian in many of these countries. You can't own a Bible. But what did Jesus say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Well, there you go. I mean, we we want to obey these governments. We want to uh, do what they say. We want to honor them even. When it comes down to it, we honor God. We obey God supremely. Why? Because if we were to do the thing against God, would that commend God? No. It it would make God, again, look stupid. Dave liked it uh, on Wednesday when I said it would be pie in the face of Jesus if if we just go along with these even laws, even organizational rules, commands of our bosses when they go against the word of God. Again, example, your boss says, do this thing that will help us cheat on our taxes. You say, hey, you must perform this abortion. You say, uh, you, you cannot share Jesus. Organizational rule, whatever. You say, well, I do my best to obey, but I, I obey God. I'm not saying you have to be open or uh, um, flagrant about it, but we obey God. Because there, there's, there's one more key that I want us to get here. Um, that truly, without this, don't even worry about it, <laughs> okay? 
Uh, don't even worry about commending God because w- without this, all of it is, is worthless and pointless. And this is number three. I don't know if I control that or you guys control it. There we go. Thank you very much. Depend on God for true godliness. We need to commend God by obeying human authority. We need to commend God by obeying God supremely. But for all of that, we need to depend on God for true godliness. Because Christianity is so much more than just learning a list of rules. A bunch of do's and don'ts and when I should and when I shouldn't. And No, Christianity is this. Christianity is a vital, life-giving, life-changing, life-transforming relationship that makes us into people that are living lives of sustained godliness. Again, I think of Daniel 1.10. It says he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks, to, thanks before his God as he had done previously. This was Daniel's pattern. He, he didn't obey uh, the, the, the king just, just out of nowhere. He didn't defy the, the orders just out of nowhere. He didn't live with this great attitude that we'll look at here in a moment. Just that, that didn't come out of nowhere. That came out of well-worn paths of, of cultivating godliness. This does not happen overnight. Oh man, I thought of this example. That's not in my notes, but Peter... He's such a great example of this. Jesus tells them, I will be given up to, to, to the officials or whatever, you know, for this crucifixion. And all of you will, will um, what's the word? Huh? Scat- yeah, you'll scatter. You'll, you'll leave me. You'll depart from me. You won't stick with me. Peter says, I will never leave you. I, I, will, stand, I will even die for you. What does Jesus say? Yeah, I'm sure you will. No, he says, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You know what then happens? Uh, Jesus goes uh, to the garden to pray. This is the garden where he will then be um, uh, arrested. So this is all right in this same time thing. And he brings uh, Peter, was one of the, the close disciples, and he says, come with me and pray. And they keep falling asleep. And Jesus says, pray, watch and pray with me that you may not enter into temptation. Say, I mean, was there a bar close by that they might be tempted to get drunk or a strip club? No, Jesus knew what was about to happen. And this Peter who has said, don't worry, Jesus, I'll follow you. They all went right back to sleep. They did not start praying. They did not depend on God for true godliness. And we all know how the story goes. Peter does deny him three times. He, He does not obey God supremely. He curses uh, God and all these things, um, denying uh, Jesus. Why? Because he wasn't depending on God for true godliness. He was depending on, I'll do it, I'll I'll, I'll muster up the courage to do the right thing at the right time. No, well-worn paths of godliness. Because if it's a well-worn path, it will be a deep rut and things won't push you out of it. No, no matter uh, what, what rules come along that you don't like, you will still obey them because they are a, a, a human authority that, and the authority has been put there by God. That, by the way, is Romans 13. But then, because you're in that well-worn rut of, of, of relationship, life-giving relationship with God, even when a law comes or a rule comes or a command comes that you must disobey to obey God, you'll, you'll be able to do it. 
And what I want to show you again is um, the, the attitude in which Daniel did it. And this makes all the difference. Verse uh, 20. As he came near to the den, that's the king, as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Notice the king, serve continually. That's a well-worn path of godliness, of, of cultivating that relationship with God. Here's how, what, what happens, verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, listen to his attitude, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Too many of us would try to, to have this be an ego trip time. You're not going to tell me what to do. I, I'm going to disobey this law. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to disobey this command. And then if we were Daniel, rather than saying, Oh, king, live forever. I've done no harm to you, king. We'd be like, look, I was just in the lion's den and they didn't eat me. You better watch out, king. You messed with the wrong person. That would be oftentimes our attitude. You messed with the wrong person. See what happens to you. But what we see, rather than hate, rather than animosity, rather than, than, than this, this tension, we see Daniel speaking with great gentleness and respect and love still to the king who had him put in the lion's den, who, who has the rock put over the lion's den, who seals the lion's den with his signet ring, O king, live forever. He speaks to him with great love, great respect. That does not come from just hoping we'll respond right. That comes from well-worn paths of daily pursuing God and godliness. Three times a day he went in prayer. The, king, the God whom you continually serve, the king says, and that, that has to be us. Because th this is the way the, the Bible uh, talks about these things. We won't be able to do it without this. 1 Peter 2.19 For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. This is a gracious, good thing, glorious thing in the eyes of God. This is a thing that commends God when one, when one mindful of God endure sorrows while suffering unjustly. I love that, that mindful of God. This is how we can suffer and, and endure it well, endure it faithfully, endure it uh, with the attitude that God wants us to have. Mindful of God. 1 Peter three fourteen to 16. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, I'll pause there, even if you should suffer for not being able to do what your boss commands you to do because it's against God. Even if you should suffer because the government continues towards ungodliness and says you can't share the gospel, and you suffer for it, just like Paul in prison, four letters from being in Paul, or in, um, while being in prison for sharing the gospel. Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. See his value. Prize him. Always being prepared 
to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And that shame is, again, leading to them seeing, I'm walking in sin, they have something that I want, and glorifying God on the day of visitation, as it said in chapter 2. This is our path. This is our pattern. Again, there are so many other areas of Christianity that we can and will talk about as we think about this great commission, the, the, the purpose for our lives to proclaim the excellencies of God to those who, to go and make disciples. But when we think about authority, it should be our pattern to obey human authority for the sake of God. But then, when it goes against God's word, we, we respectfully, we honorably obey God rather than men. By the way, what effect did this have on the king of Persia? Verse 23, Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So he's excited about this. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. By the way, that's not like a promise that you'll never have consequences. You very well may lose your job. You very well may go to prison. I'm, I, again, Paul was in prison, so don't, don't take that as a promise. He goes on to say, uh, in the king, verse 24, And the king commanded, and those men who were, had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. I think the, uh, the king has some anger issues he's got to work out. That wasn't Daniel that got them thrown in there. Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. So he, he writes this to, to every person who can possibly hear it in every language they know about. This is insane. This is the, 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 the ruler of an empire. He says this, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall, into, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions." A proclamation that, that, that commends God was sent out because of Daniel's obedience of God supremely rather than obeying man. But that only happened after <laughs> always obeying authority to the best of his ability. One more thing, small thing, okay? I, I wish I'd have uh, pulled up the passage. You might think, okay, this was Daniel. He's like being made second in command in the Persian Empire, of course he had an empire-wide impact, right? Of course. That's, that's not me, though. I'm just little old me. This is just our little old church in our little old city. In Hebrews chapter 11, in that hall of faith, again, these are, these are earth shapers that are, that are listed in the hall of faith. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Gideon, I mean, we just all these amazing people listed among them were, were 
were the churches that the Hebrew, the author of Hebrews was writing to? Little old them, okay? And what he says is, you guys endured your suffering. This was your faithfulness. You endured your suffering, the plundering of your goods. You didn't stop visiting the saints in prison. Again, it's because they're being persecuted for their faith. So even these little old Christians that the, the, Hebrew, the author of Hebrews was writing to were making a worldwide impact. The reverberations, you will never know how far your obedience and even your supreme obedience to God goes when you are connected to the vine, when you are depending deeply on God. I've asked uh, Adam Hare to come uh, close us in prayer today. Because I think there's a lot for us to think about. This may not have been new for you, but I hope at the very least you, you got that last point that, that we will not be able to do these things without those well-worn patterns of, of pursuing God in relationship with Him. But I've asked Adam to, to come pray for us for a couple of reasons. Um, first, um, Adam uh, was, is a military veteran as well as a police veteran, so I know that he loves our, our nation. I know that he has a, um, a deep love for, for America and the freedoms that we enjoy that he has spent uh, years of his life protecting. And then I also know that Adam has a deep love for the lost, for seeing uh, more people in our nation and even in the whole world know Jesus Christ. And, uh, and he recognizes uh, along with me that, that that starts with us. That starts individually. That starts with our families. That starts with our church. And, and it goes from there. And so I've asked Adam to, to close this uh, sermon in prayer. We also thank you, Lord, for the amazing example you've given us in the life of Daniel to see how we should live in this country as it largely falls away from you. We've even had some of our leaders admit um, out loud that they think this is no longer a Christian country. So I ask that you would help us, God, to live in such a way that our lives count and shine as lights in this dark world, to help us care more about serving you and showing others how great you are than we care about our own wants and desires. And give us the strength to show our obedience to you by the way that we gladly obey those in authority over us. Guard us, Lord from speaking dishonorably of our leadership or slandering them, even if we don't always agree with their morals and their politics. Help us to make it known that our obedience 
and honor to human authority flows from a desire to obey and honor you. And help us to not be so fearful of human authority, pressures, threats of punishments, that we obey humans over you. Help us to know your word, to know your heart, and to know when we cannot obey a law or a rule given to us. Give us great wisdom and care as we think through these issues, Lord. And God, I ask most importantly that you would make us the sort of people who can do all of this from hearts that are satisfied in you. Help us to obey with joy because we enjoy obeying you. Help us to resist sinful laws, rules, while showing honor and respect because they were given by people made in your image and put in their place of authority by you. Help us to never return evil with evil, hatred with hatred, or even unkind words with unkind words. Let us be so satisfied in you, so trusting who you are for us and what Christ has done for us, that we can always respond with love and compassion to those who mock or even threaten us. Let us, as Peter said, entrust our souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let us always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in us. And let us always carry this message of salvation and hope with gentleness and respect. Let our lives be so different in a positive way that the world takes notice and is drawn to you. And God, our hope is that you would save many people in our country. Our hope is that you would bring revival. We love our country. We love the people in it. And it grieves our hearts that people are pushing so hard and running so fast towards destruction. But Lord, we believe you can use us, even us, with our little insignificant lives to make a significant difference for your glory and the good of many. You can do more than we even ask or imagine, Lord. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus our supreme king, who loved us, died for our sins, and rose from the dead victorious. Amen. Take a hymnal and turn to number 277, please. Let's, uh, instead of the one that uh, I chose, I want to sing with this song at, at the end of the service today. Can we stand together? Verse number four is our prayer to the Lord this, evening, this morning. Verse number four. 277. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be
Amen. I'm uh, so thankful and honored to be a part of a church that, that desires uh, to glorify God with our lives. And so I do hope you all have a, a wonderful Independence Day. I hope that God uh, uses your life to maybe impact your family or friends if you get to spend time with them. And uh, just keep on um, wearing into those paths, making those well-worn paths of godliness. I've got to pursue it every day just like you, and because uh, we're, we're wasting our lives, if not. Um, so I thank God for it. I'm going to pray and then send us off. Father God, we again thank you for this country. We don't want to take it for granted, but God, we thank you infinitely more for our salvation found in Jesus Christ. His blood shed for us. That we might be brought to you, God, cleansed, clean, to, to enjoy your glory, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to spread your glory, God. I pray all this in your son's holy name. Amen. I love you all. Have a great Independence Day.